Dear friends, grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the living Lord, who comes to us today bringing his peace and joy and hope that may have been destroyed at his, at his death, now coming back to us in the resurrection, giving us, giving our troubled hearts the peace that we seek and our minds clearing so that our eyes and ears would be open to his promise of forgiveness and new life. Amen. Well, here we are, two weeks after Easter Sunday, and nothing seems to have gotten back to normal. People are still afraid and worried. The church building remains unusually quiet throughout the week. Children are at home rather than at school every day. And our government and, compu- and community leaders are still struggling with how to protect our people the best. And worst of all, I can't even get a haircut. And it's a good thing you guys are all at home and you can't see me all that close up and that we're recording this a little bit early because this mop that I've got is soon going to be out of control and nobody's going to want to see it. It seems like a spiral, a spiral playground slide that we're caught on that we just keep going around and around and down and down and you just can't see the bottom of it. Around every turn and twist you think this has got to be it but it just keeps turning and twisting down and down. But you know that it has to come to an end somewhere and sometime. And after a few twists, you just want it to end, right? You're sick of going around and you're starting to get a knot in your stomach. But when the slide ends, it's not really up to you. You can only hold on until the ride is over. Round and around we go, faster and faster, up and down, around every twist and turn, talking and discussing the recent events with anybody who will listen. There's not really another topic to discuss, is there? And we keep asking, but never really answering the question, what does it all mean for us? Where are we going in this? Now remember, in one week, Jesus entered Jerusalem to the voices calling out, Hosanna, save us. And then through all the twists and the turns came super fast and furious. There were the traps. There were the discussions. There was the Last Supper. There was the questions. There was the arrest, the trial, the cross, the mocking, and the death. And it's still hard after all these years to hear all that and to follow it through Holy Week. But then the last turn arrives after the death, the empty tomb, right there on Easter morning. Their last hopes that death was the end are now dead and over. So now whether you take this all these events as one whole event or as a series of connected events. There is just too much happening throughout all of the passion stories, all the twists and turns and the unforeseen events, the subtleties and the overt. We just keep spinning around trying to catch ourselves. 
There's the boldness of the disciples to their betrayal. There's the powers of this world that come to Jesus' death. There's the ugliness of human sin that ends in the cross, that then twists and turns to the unknown of what it means that Christ's body is not in the tomb. It's all there, all in that one week, and we keep getting spun around. It's the brokenness of the world and the power of sin that keeps us chasing after ourselves. But just when the disciples think it's over, that the empty tomb is the end, the last bit, everyone is thrown into fear and doubt and utter confusion at what has happened because now he's missing. He's loose. He's out there somewhere, and who knows what it means. Well, Cleopas and this other unnamed disciple took their leave and headed away from Jerusalem towards Emmaus. The excitement was over. The twists and turns had come to an end, they thought, and it was time to get back to their regular lives. The ride had run its course, and it was time to get back to normal. So they had hoped, after all, that Jesus would have been the one to redeem Israel, but their hope was ended in this point. Death had won. Their hope was over now. The thrill was gone, and their hopes were finished off. Probably best to get a little distance now, right? Isn't this what we do? Step back, get some perspective. By doing this, we get better prepared for the next time. We sit back and we take the lessons that we learned from these events. So we walk along with a trusted friend talking about the events of the day to see if there isn't something that we can learn to be better prepared next time, to take what we can and move into the future with it. Isn't that what we do, right? We move away as our hopes perish. We don't sit there and grieve over them for too long. We head back to our lives and we look to the future and discuss what our past may have meant as we try to find our footing and return to our normal lives. By nature, we seek this kind of equilibrium in our lives. We don't like things to be too chaotic or too crazy and too up and down. We pretty much prefer the steady pace, the regular thing. We know where our footing is and how to live. And when there's a drastic change in a situation and our balance is thrown off, we look to find how we can find a foothold and get adjusted so that we can set our feet firmly back again on the ground and start our own lives again. And even when our situation seems to change daily, like it does now, we rebalance quickly and find where we can settle. And we look and hope for a time when we'll all find better footing and a new equilibrium. Things will change, but we will emerge from all of this, and we can regain our balance and find our new normal, right? Isn't that what we hope for? Isn't that what we look for? But if Jesus is dead, that's all we can do. We can take the lesson and move on. But in fact, he is not. And the disciples are just now coming to realize this. 
He died, yes, that is true, but he is not dead any longer. Now he is beyond death. He's past the end point. He's over the limit that we all have. And this is what First Peter is saying when he goes a little further and quotes Isaiah chapter 40, that all flesh withers like grass. The flower fades, but it's the word of the Lord that endures forever. Just when you think it's over, just when you come to the end point of the slide and the ride is coming to an end, oh no, think again. The promise is that Christ re- in Christ's resurrection, there is no end. It lasts forever. It endures a long time. It never ends. With him, you are then beyond normal. You are outside of regular. You are past the limit, just where he is. You are now in for the wildest ride of your life that you could have never imagined the life of the resurrected Christ being given to you. Now, you would think that after nearly 2,000 years since Jesus was resurrected from the dead, that his people, the church, those who bear his name, those who know his story, those who cling to his name and his promise, would have gotten used to being thrown off balance daily, would, got, would have gotten used to uh, repenting daily and being raised daily. Because this is happening to us all the time by the promise of God returning again and again to our baptism. After all, the new life that comes to us in Christ's resurrection has always been shattering our hopes, destroying our patterns, upsetting our balance, and continuously calling us beyond ourself, beyond the limits of our own existence, ever since the woman found the empty tomb. But we never seem to stop holding on to the past, clinging to whatever version of normal we can cobble together in the now and in our life in Christ. We keep holding on to the past even as we're being pulled into the new. Cleopas and this other disciple left Jerusalem to debate the meaning of the day. What could it all mean? And as you read this story, you realize something. They know so much. They remember so much of what has happened and what the Bible has said to them. They know the Scriptures inside and out. But it is also this understanding of the scriptures that they had, that it was mere information, something to know that is clouding their eyes and blinding them to Christ who is right before them. They know so much that they can't die to their hopes, even that Jesus' death ended their hope that he would redeem Israel. But in actuality, as he talks to them, as they converse with him, they start to find an end to their search for understanding and mere meaning. Because no longer are they caught in their own understanding or misunderstanding. Christ is bringing them beyond this. Not understanding or misunderstanding or correcting their thinking, but now revealing himself to them so that he would be all that they would need for hope and life. 
Easter was never meant to be as limp and powerless as the church seems to take it, as a one-day event where we celebrate with all the horns and all the decorations and all the pomp and circumstance. But it was meant to give you the new life of Christ on Easter Sunday, on the third Sunday of Easter, every day. But we turn it into a festival and we rob it of its power to remind us that we are Christians on a ride of Christ's life into a new existence beyond ourselves. Christians have done their absolute best to tame the power of the resurrection, to keep it in our control, to understand it, but you can't. It's unpredictable, and it creates a future that is too uncertain for us to handle. It's too scary. It's too new, for it is always new. So to save our lives, we always have to find some way of making sense of it all. So we reach back into our past in order to learn our lesson so that we can be ready for the future. What does it mean? What does it all mean? It's our favorite question as we retreat into our understanding rather than be pulled into Christ by faith as we try to apply the resurrection to our, our lives rather than die to self and be raised in Christ. And it wasn't just the first disciples who were frightened by the unbelievable news that Jesus had risen. It's us too. And it's frightening because it's beyond our control. It's unbelievable so that it scares us. How could someone come back from the dead? And yet, there he was. We don't know how or why, but we know him. And it especially scares us, because while he left it in our hands, we had him in our hands, and we killed him. So we're a little bit afraid that now this new life might not be something that we can control, and it's not. It is all in Christ. It is all in his resurrection. It is his life and gift to us. It's not a life of understanding and meaning. It's a life of faith, trusting that he is our life. For faith is not living by our own power and control, but trusting that our power and control is going away, but knowing that we have a good and gracious and loving God who is forgiving and merciful. Faith is not knowing enough to find the right meaning or to know the scriptures so well that you can apply a resurrection principle to your life. No, faith, in short, is nothing more than seeing Christ with your eyes, hearing him with your ears, receiving a promise from God and trusting it without needing to find a footing or a handhold or an equilibrium in the new normal. It's actually trusting God when you are falling and free-falling outside of yourself. It is Christ giving himself to you, revealing himself in the midst of your misunderstandings, in the midst of your knowledge, and saying, that's all great, none of that matters, for I am here with you, raised from the dead to give you life. Faith is opening your ears to hear and your eyes 
to see him, his life, and his presence here with us, even if we don't physically see him, to hear and know and trust that when he says he's here with us, that he is. He is risen. He is risen indeed. There is no other meaning than that to find. He is risen. He is alive. He is with us. And he is for us. This is why he comes and finds his disciples, reveals himself to them, and shows them that he has called them back to himself, not off into their own lives. He has gone down the slide in front of us, ahead of us, so that we don't know where we are going. We don't know where the next twist and turn might take us, only that he is ahead of us, leading the train right down the slide into new life, calling to us, coming to us, leading us to himself. So hold on to him. Cling to his promise for life. It was necessary for him to suffer and die for your salvation so that you would hear his mercy, of his mercy and forgiveness. For now you have nothing to fear with him, for he lives beyond death. He lives beyond the limit. He lives beyond and he's bringing us to him. It's going to be a wild ride. Hold on. Amen.